Don't look back because the market is closed. Good Monday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Herridge here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. We got a mixed start to the week after last week. We got a strong week. A lot of our sectors hitting all-time highs. The NASDAQ and the S&P hitting all-time highs. But a mixed day today. We did get the NASDAQ and the S&P hitting all-time highs here again. I believe that's like the 52nd or 53rd all-time high this year from the S&P 500. We are on track to break the record for most all-time highs in a year for the S&P 500. Pretty incredible stuff given the last year and a half that we have just had. And we've got some important points on that that I'll bring up here uh, in, in, in in a second here for this podcast. But again, even with a mixed day like today, it's pretty impressive for our major indexes given the ongoing concerns that we've seen from a number of areas, whether it was Afghanistan and the continued chaos that we've seen over there, Hurricane Ida making landfall in Louisiana this weekend, uh, and then, of course, coronavirus insanity just continuously ramping up from the from the lows of the case count from the summer. And in some places, we're seeing that case count start to drop, places like Texas and Florida, uh, off of the peak that we saw a few weeks back. I'm not going to get too into that here. You know, you know our view uh, it shouldn't have any effect on what the government has been doing, uh, although they will continue to use it and create mass hysteria about it in order to continue to pump money into the system and a few other reasons as well. I might touch on those here some uh, in a second. But a lot of these factors like Afghanistan and Hurricane Ida, as heartless as this may sound, tend to be short-term in the market reaction and have proven in the past to be great buying opportunities. We saw it just a couple weeks ago after the chaos began in Afghanistan, and then our market sold off a little bit only to get back to all-time highs within a week of there. So just a prime example of how events like that can serve as a brick in that wall of worry that we know our, our markets love to climb. Uh, but as to what is driving this market, Kip and I often talk about this before our podcast. We've said it really for the last year, said it here a lot. That we could probably get on this podcast and say one thing and and just call it a day. And that is the levels of liquidity in this market. Nothing matters more than that. Uh, we've seen it for the last year and a half now as governments all over the world have printed or put stimulus into the market to the tune of 30, I think the number is about $32 trillion now that we know of, uh, just like the financial crisis, we likely won't know the full extent of how much money was spent until uh, 10 years from now or so, realistically. Uh, So that probably is a small number right there when I say $32 trillion. Uh, But almost no other factor matters as much as that when it comes to the market is what drives the market higher. And over the weekend, the Center for Financial Stability just released their July data and shows that money supplies across the globe continue to increase. But here in the U.S., M4 liquidity, which is the way that they measure it, increased another 
3.9% in July, taking the total for year-over-year M4 growth to 30.6% from July in 2020. Uh, Just massive levels of money printing going on. You don't even hear a whole lot of people talking about these. M3 liquidity increased 8.3% in July, taking the total to 20.4% year-over-year. And again, with 30 plus trillion dollars in fiscal and monetary policy injected into the system over the last year, it makes it almost impossible for the market to head lower. I was reading over the weekend about the Japanification of the United States, a theme that we've talked here about often. We are turning Japanese and that when the Japanese government would see that their major markets were going to open down 4% the next morning, whatever it was. And they would just go in and inject $70 billion in one night to stop the market from correcting. That is the real-life plunge protection team in action. And we know the Federal Reserve is already doing that publicly to the tune of $120 billion here every single month. And it really is looking less and less like the Fed is planning on removing the punch bowl anytime soon. Last week's Jackson Hole meeting pretty much solidified that. Jay Powell, as much as he you know, tried to make it seem like he was being fiscally responsible or being responsible, uh, they still have not given a firm timeline on when they will be tapering. Uh, so we see the chances of a near basically at 0% that the Fed will begin tapering here in 2021. And he even basically said, basically told us that if they did begin to taper, it wouldn't be by much at all. And so really that took a lot of the concern away from the market, the nervousness that was going in to that Fed Jackson Hole meeting, which is probably a big reason why that we've seen the NASDAQ and S&P 500 continue to hit all-time highs. We know that tech stocks do not like to see higher rates, and that is what this ensures. As long as the Fed keeps tapering, rates are going to remain low. And we see, we continue to see rates going lower from here. The Fed does not raise rates under Democratic presidents or Democrat presidents. It doesn't happen. Look back over history look at Trump's term versus Obama's where they raised rates only one time under Obama. And then was it six times in a row in Trump's first term alone, raising rates 17 straight times under George Bush, uh, basically causing the financial crisis in 2008. And so as we head into next year's midterms, it's increasingly likely as we get closer to that date that they are not going to do anything. They want the markets to keep heading higher to give the Democrat the Democrats the best chance they can have. If we get a market correction before the midterms next year, it only hurts their chances worse. And then, of course, back to coronavirus insanity as we head into the fall here. As I mean, really turning on any news source, financial media included, which I have loved over the last few years, you know, getting to know the industry so much better, watching for breaking news, some great stories on there has been completely replaced 
by panic and fear-mongering. It is unwatchable. It doesn't matter what channel it is. Bloomberg, CNBC, Fox Business, whatever it is, unwatchable. And really unwatchable right now is the fear rhetoric is only getting started as we head into flu season. And we know they're going to really try to push the fear behind coronavirus into the midterms of next year. And there's a simple reason for that. They want mail-in ballots on for the midterm elections. It's the easiest way to rig an election. It's it's so interesting, you know, going into the 2016 election, into the 2020 election. Really, the 2016 election, though, how the Democrat Party talked about how rigging elections was this big concern and was totally possible, and Russia did it, it to totally flip the script in 2020 and say, oh, it's not possible, especially mail-in ballots are one of the most secure ways of voting. No, they're not. And they haven't been for hundreds of years. So why would we have gotten it right now? There was a, a plot attempt against Abraham Lincoln in his reelection that was, they, they foiled a plot attempt to rig the military ballots. That they were going to take fake ballots that were meant for those in the Civil War to send back to vote. And the powers that be, I need to refresh myself on the story a little bit, but it's so good that they figured it out. They had an insider who basically came in and exposed this whole plot just days before the election. They had the ballots ready to go. And Abraham Lincoln would have lost re-election had it not been for them figuring out that plan to use mail-in ballots. So what's to make us think that anything has changed now? Because Nothing has. It's not more secure than it was before. There's not a better chain of command that these ballots travel through. Uh, Anyway, uh, that's what they want, though. They need to keep coronavirus and the pandemonium behind it going through the 2022 midterms so they can at least put forth their best effort to rig another round of U.S. elections. Uh, That's just the way that it is. All right. So, Back to our markets on the day, though, the market's continuing to ignore the seasonal trends from August and September. Pretty impressive from the NASDAQ and the S&P 500 today. NASDAQ leading the way, hitting a new all-time high, or excuse me, just an all-time high, at up nine-tenths of 1% to 15,265. We were followed there by the S&P 500, also an all-time high, up just over four-tenths of 1% to 4,528. And then our laggards on the day, the Dow down 0.16%, was higher earlier in the session, but did finish lower on the day down about 55 points to 35,399. And lastly, the Russell 2000, our laggard on the day, down about half a percent to 2,265. Another thing that we're seeing that tells us that the Fed will not be raising rates, will not start tapering, is the 10-year here. Looking at a chart of the 10-year, it looks like it's putting in another lower high from its rally into the beginning of this year. The 10-year peaked at basically the end of March and since then, a series of lower highs and it just made another one. Uh, and at the beginning of August, it peaked out at about 1.37 and then at the end of August, got right back below those levels and now it's looking like it's failing again here, down another 2% today to a 1.28 and Based off of our work, we see rates continuing to head lower. Doesn't mean we're going to get some bounces along the way, 
but it looks like we're headed back to that 1.2 flat level there. Uh, but we'll see, and we'll be reporting on that here. That's been our theme here for some time now. Looking at our internals on the day, we've got a mixed day today. Not mixed to positive, not really mixed to negative. And after last week's great run from the internals, after about three weeks of, of just really not good internals, it, last week was a good week to see. And, you know, it wasn't a major pullback or anything. You still had some of our... Uh, sectors and indexes hitting all-time highs on some of their internal readings, uh, but some of them have started to make some lower highs. So we want to see the trend from last week continue. And after a week like we just got, not hugely concerning to see a mixed day like today, but again, not a trend we want to see continue through this week. This is a big week here for our internals. But today, declining stocks, beating out advancing stocks, wasn't a massive beat or anything. So again, nothing too concerning, but negative for both the NYSE and the NASDAQ. New 52-week highs to lows were our bright spot on the day, coming in over 5 to 1 positive. Strong numbers there, important reading. And then lastly, volume mixed on the day here as well. Negative for the NYSE, but positive for the NASDAQ. No big beats on either side, upside or downside. So again, just a mixed day here. Uh, Like I said, nothing concerning, but we want to see those numbers continue to improve this week. Looking at our sectors on the day, we finished with seven out of our 11 S&P 500 sectors higher on the day today. We were led by real estate and the real estate sector did hit an all-time high today. We were followed there by tech, excuse me, We were followed there by tech, which also hit an all-time high today, and we got an all-time high from the semiconductors as well. Good to see they had not hit an all-time high since the beginning of August, so great to see that trend continue. Although, our theme here often, you want to see tech leading the market and semis leading tech. Well, we had tech leading the market today, but the semis were up about three-tenths of 1% compared to a full 1% game gain for the tech sector. Uh, So not exactly what you want to see, but still all-time highs are not a bearish occurrence. So we'd love to see that. Next up here was consumer discretionary and then communication services, which hit an all-time high today. And then our laggers on the day were financials, energy, even though oil was higher on the day, and then materials and industrials. Finally for today, our VRA commodity watch, gold now lower on the day, down 0.35% to 1,813 an ounce. Silver down as well today, just a small 0.15% though to $24.07 an ounce. Copper up a nice 1.1% to $4.38 a pound. And oil, as I mentioned earlier, up a little on the day, just under half a percent to $69.05 a barrel. And lastly for today, Bitcoin, now down about two-tenths of 1% to 48688 of Bitcoin. Folks, that is all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top, and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.